Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. This week, so I'm going to hand the floor over to you, my good friend. And before we get stuck into the NFL, let's talk about what you've been up to personally, Darren, because the Premier League season has obviously started. You're up and running, commentating on a few games. Uh, how does it feel having no fans? We touched on it last week, and then what's been uh, the general consensus with Boris Johnson's announcement that football will not have fans from October? I think that's probably the best way to start, and I think there's a great deal of panic around the lower division clubs, you know, hoping that they're still going to be there by the time they can run in a more orthodox way because the difference between the Premier League and the Championship is that the television revenue that they get allows them to carry on. But the teams in League One, League Two, the National League, you know, they're reliant on on gate receipts and, and people coming through the door to be able to pay player salaries and keep the clubs running. So there's a lot of fear and trepidation lower down. Um, there's a lot of work to do for the teams at the top end because it's now, you know, everybody's trying to work out who's going to show what game because they've all got to be put on television. So schedules are being altered and picks are being made and, and people are, are, are working really hard to ensure that, that supporters who can't go to the grounds can actually watch the matches. So we're working pretty much double weekends, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday for the foreseeable future. And that will get more difficult when the Champions League starts in the middle of October because then you've got to factor in Thursday night matches for Europa League teams and those teams can't play till Sundays and you know where teams are going to be in midweek for Champions League matches. So it's going to get really complicated. There are financial issues, lots of, of things to be sorted out. So we're working on a very short leash now. We normally know at this point, I would know now, all my games till Boxing Day. And at the moment, I don't know what I'm doing a week on Saturday. So that's how different it is for us in terms of what we know and what we don't know. So this is a, an, I thought last year was a unique season, but I think this one might turn out to be even more um, strange, just basically because we're going from month to month and not really knowing what's happening. So that's, that's, that's it in a nutshell, really. I mean, the NFL's nice and organised. Everybody knows what they're doing there, but... In football terms over here, it's, it really is all over the place. What I would say, I really like your Rams sweatshirt, your hoodie. I, 
that looks really good. It's the old school logo, and you look the nuts in it. I really like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I got it. Uh, I think I got it in the United States because you know, uh, even though we're Chicago Bears fans, you and I tote every single NFL team that there is. We've got merchandise from every corner of the United States of America because we just love the gear. And I think this is one thing we're talking about Premier League football there. But if you look at how American football merchandise is so diverse and the availability of it, and there's so much around, you can get literally anything with an NFL team logo on it. And that's why you and I are so passionate about our, our merch because it just looks cool. It's as simple as that. They do a really, really good job. And I think when you're wearing NFL merchandise, and please, there are some people that are going to take offense to this, and I apologize. Like, you know when you're on holiday and you, and you see a bloke or a kid or, or a woman in a football jersey, and you think, oh, why would you wear a football jersey on holiday? Do you know what I mean? But if you see someone wearing NFL merchandise, you think, oh, that's cool. I like that. That's a bit retro. Do you know what I mean? And the biggest reaction I've had, merchandise-wise, it's an American football shirt, but it's not an NFL jersey, and it's not my London Warriors jersey. I've had the biggest reaction wearing that Gump jersey when we were in Miami. <laughs> no, we weren't. We were in Atlanta. Atlanta, yes. Atlanta, and I've been saying to you, listen, I found this shop. It's great. We've got to go. So I managed to drag you there, and, and we were like kids at Christmas on the morning we went. And, of course, I just went off on my bit, and you went off on your bit. And we've all got stacks of stuff in our arms. And you spied the Forrest Gump jersey hanging from the ceiling with all the retro jerseys. Um, I think I bought the Eric Dickerson throwback, the old Rams Dickerson 29. And you said, well, I, well, I wouldn't wear that, but I would wear that. And you bought <laughs> Forrest Gump. So, yeah, that we were together. We had classic moment. Number 44 jersey. Uh, yeah. And that's why I think, you know, with merch, you can wear it anywhere. It's really weird. And it doesn't paint pictures in people's minds when you see someone wearing NFL merchandise. It's so bizarre. Well, I'm going to go quickly back to something that I want you to explain for us, if you can, Darren, is how is it decided... Who gets what games in the Premier League? Because at the moment, we've got the BBC, we've got BT Sport, we've got Sky, and we've got Amazon all in the mix, all yeah. wanting games. Because we know that in the NFL, if there's a really important game, they bump it to prime time. And their schedules are really, really flexible. Are we seeing something that replicates what goes on in America at the moment with the Premier League? No, the picks are being made in, in, a, in, a, in an orthodox way. And by that, I mean that Sky tend to get the first picks because they are predominantly showing the Premier League. BT Sport get second picks and lower because we predominantly show the Champions League with additional Premier League games. So at the moment, if there are, for argument's sake, five television games to be picked between BT and Sky on a weekend, those five picks will be made as they usually are. Sky would pick first, we would pick second, and then Sky would take three more games on the back of that to fill out their weekend schedule. Then they've got five more, generally, to show. And that's where the discussion comes. Where do they go? Do Amazon Prime show a game that weekend? Do the BBC have a live game? Do BT Sport take two more games that weekend, which is what we're doing, I think, next weekend. I think we're going to have one game on Saturday and two games on Sunday. But that won't happen every week. So it's a case of then the negotiations start and the pick process starts for the other five. So the, the, the five games that would be shown are really easy to work out. They just do what they've always done. But there are five more after that, and that's where they've got to work out where they go, how they schedule them, who's going to have them, 
you know, you can't just say to the BBC, well, you have that then, because they might say, well, we haven't got a slot in our schedule. We can't move anything that day. Um, Sky might say, well, we want to show Arsenal in the Saturday slot. And Arsenal say, well, you can't because we're in the Europa League on Thursday, so we can only play on Sunday. And then Sky can't fit Arsenal in on Sunday because they've got something else in there. So then BT might get the Arsenal game that Sky wanted. And it, so it, it's really complicated. It, it really is. I, I wouldn't want to be in the room. And the thing is as well, each channel, certainly Sky and BT, have schedulers. So they're sat down trying to work out what the games will be. They're doing algorithms and all that. They're like the, they're like the odds makers in Vegas, trying to work out what games are going to matter. So that down the line, they've got their picks in place so that they might just land on the game that really matters. So like last season, you know, we at BT ended up getting the, the game that decided the Premier League title when Manchester City um, lost to Chelsea. So that night, Liverpool were the champions now. Ordinarily, that would be a Sky game because they get the first picks, but it doesn't work out that way. So there's a lot of thought that goes into that and a lot of guesswork and a, a lot of expertise and, and knowledge and all that. So it's, it's, it's crackers. I, 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 the easy bit's the commentary. You know, the easy, I do the easy bit. They've got the hard job trying to work out which games we do. So it's, it's, I'm, in, I'm in the box seat. I'm fine. When we did the Formula E in Berlin for two weeks, we had a lot of time to plan for that. Yeah. And we all know, Simon, our producer, yourself... We all know how difficult it is to get a live broadcast on the air. There's a lot of people behind the scenes. All the tech guys and girls, cameramen and women, have really got to set themselves up, get their schedules sorted, because a lot of these members of staff are freelance. They don't particularly work for Sky or BT or the BBC. So there's a lot of stuff that needs to be organised. And it's amazing that and it's going to be difficult for, like you say, all these channels to just not even have a month in advance knowing what's coming. It's going to be really, yeah. really difficult. Well, it is. And you're right. There are so many people involved. And, and, you know, everybody just has had to say, whatever you need, we will do. I mean, I've had a conversation with my boss this week and I've just said, look, don't worry about it. If I get short notice games and we've got to do more, we've just got to get through it. And everybody's got that attitude. I mean, after all, you know, we're really fortunate to do the, the job that we do. So we're not going to sit here and start complaining that we've got to do some extra football matches when you think the kind of things that people are going through in the world at the moment and the sacrifices people are making. I wouldn't sit here and suggest for a minute that I've got the rough end of the wedge here. I mean, I, if somebody said to me, you've got to do seven games over seven days, I'd say, great, bring it on, I can't wait, because you know what I'm like. But it is just a case of, of just dealing with what comes at the moment, you know, to make sure. And we've got a responsibility because I think that at the moment sport is playing a really big part for people. It does anyway. But I think the fact that people can't That's go it. out as they want to and they want to go and watch their local team or they want to be at the, the big events and they can't go, you know, we've got extra responsibility now to make sure that we deliver that to them properly, professionally, entertainingly, you know, so they can sit back and, and rely on us to do that right so that they can get their value for money and enjoy the opportunity to watch events. So I, I, I'm getting more of a buzz, I think, out of doing my job at the minute because I know that it, it means a little bit more because people can't go and, and be there with me. So... It's really spurring us all on to try and make sure we, we, we do it well. Well, whilst I've got you, Darren, I'm going to pick your brains because you know how nerdy I am about live telly, right? And I know from my experience, I compile a lot of notes uh, about the Formula E races that have been in the past. Yeah. How relevant are your notes that you've made on, let's say, Liverpool's uh, first couple of games to Liverpool's next two games? I know they've had some squad changes, but... How, how will your notes change? So that, they're my notes from Saturday. Right, okay. You know, so that is Everton against West Brom. 
Yeah. The, the yellow fluorescent, that's Everton. That's yeah. West Brom. There's information yeah. about the game in the middle. Some information about the game at the top. And I'll, I'll have one of those for each each match. There's right. a few more. You do, that, you do that crib sheet yourself. Yeah, every, for, for each game, yeah. So I would do all of that. And they're all the relevant points that I think I might need during the course of the game. A lot of it I don't use. And I've got stacks of them here. So if I, if I just kind of lean on them, every time I do one, I just shove it on a big pile. So <laughs> this goes back like last. They're all my commentary. There's Champions League finals and all sorts in there. Brilliant. Some commentators have started selling them. Which no. I, oh, mate, which I think is the most egotistical, arsehole thing to do. <laughs> Somebody said to me, can I have your comments, you know, you can have all of them. You know, I've got three or four games that I've done where I've kept the notes, you know. Yeah. And I stick them in the match programme and I think, well, that was a special game. It might be a Champions League final or, you know. So but people are starting to sell them and things like that. So I mean, that's just like, get over yourself. Just get over that's, yourself. That's, that's like a, that's like a window cleaner selling his nose pop. I mean, yeah, he wants that. It's, it's, it's a children's trade. So anyway, I've got them all there. And then um, I might refer back at different times, you know, when I lasted Liverpool, what, what was I? You don't want to give the same narrative out, do you, every time you, you do it and stuff. So yeah. I just have one of those, do it all on my laptop. Only, only because my handwriting's that bad, I can't read it. So... <laughs> If I sat and wrote it out, it's not because I'm lazy. It's because I'd, I'd be in the game looking at this note thinking, what does that say there? So I'd be useless. I can't read it. It's like a pistol of spider, my writing. It's gone over the page. So I type it, and then I can't, and they're all, they're all literally... Lauren opened a box in the garage the other day, and there were commentary notes in there from like 10 years ago. And, and the good thing was, I was still talking bollocks back then when I went through it. It was great. So, so nothing's changed. I was still talking the same nonsense back then that I'm talking now. So at least I know I've been true to myself. They're good to show the kids because I was in the loft. I mean, you know what? My loft is like Aladdin's care. There's all kinds of garbage in there. Yeah. Well, I found a box that I hadn't been into for, well, since we moved house, and that was 15, 16 years ago. And it's got all my laminated passes from everything I ever did for T4. And when we were on T4, we'd do Smash It's Pull winners, we'd do the NME awards, we did thousands and thousands of them. The Carlin tour, where, where bands were, where all the big bands were doing small venues. You know, loads of stuff like that which brought loads of memories back because we were doing interviews that I'd completely forgotten about. And yeah. we're quite, we're lucky, we're privileged that we have this opportunity to be on the front line of things that we love. And I was going through, I did a Carling special with Oasis, a Carling special with the Charlatans, a Carling special with the Manic Street Preachers. And I'm like, God, I can't even remember doing that. Yeah. It's crazy. So, like, if I do a big game, so that, that, look, that, this is just out of my desk. And that's the final in Madrid last year. So that's nice. the 17 final when Liverpool won it. So in there, I've got the notes that I, that I, that I get sent. So that's the pack of notes that we get. That yeah. We there's the team sheet from the game that UEFA give you. Brilliant. And there's my notes. So they would sit in there as a little pack and I keep those. And then in, in years to come, I'd, I'd give them Luca or if I ever get fallen on hard times, I might sell them like other people. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go, Darwin. You're not there yet. Let it go. Yeah. Probably. That, they just sit all over the place. So if there's anybody out there who's got a favourite team and he wants some notes, just let us know and you can have them. I'll send them. It's fine, because they just sat here, and Lauren will be delighted. Yeah, look, people go mad for handwritten lyrics of, you know, their yeah. favourite track by their favourite artist. So, if yeah. you, like, let's say if you're a massive Liverpool fan, and you weren't able to go and watch it, 
but you watched it and you got Darren Fletcher's crib sheets with all the notes on. That's a great piece of memorabilia. Well, my mate is, um, is a big Tottenham fan. So last year was like a dream scenario for him. He came to the Champions League final with me. And even though they lost, he, he doesn't think he'll ever see it again. He, he possibly won't. So he's got my commentary notes from the second leg in Amsterdam when Mora scored with the last kick of the game. So he's got those. And he, he just said, oh, can I have those? So he's got them. So they've gone. But I've got all the others. How, how different is your prep for an NFL game? So when you're doing the commentary on Five Live, yeah. how different is what you do for football different to American football? I think it's a little bit easier because, really? yeah, because it's the last game of the season because we tend to do the Super Bowl or, or the championship game or whatever it is so that they're really late in the year. So the narrative is pretty much set. So a lot of it is just talking to the listener about the season and setting the match up that night. So it, it's a very numbers-based game, isn't it? Where, you, you know, you want receptions and yards and touchdowns and, and, and passing touchdowns and all this. So you, you've got them and they are what they are. And then you just need a bit of background on, on the individuals. But I find when you do a, a Super Bowl, I mean, you've only got 30 seconds between plays in general. So by the time the summariser has said their piece about the previous play, they're lined up again. So you as a commentator then have to paint the picture of what the, the field looks like for the listener. So, you know, you, you'd say, you know, three receivers to the left. The tight end's got in motion to the right. There's a running back next to the quarterback who takes the snap. He drops back to pass and whatever. So you, you, and then once you've done that, the summariser comes back in again. So there's not time really to say reams and reams of go through reams and reams of stats about the individuals because the game itself and the event itself, it's the colour and it's the pomp and circumstance and all of that. So I, what I would say is that when I do the NFL, when I do notes for the Premier League, I know what to do. When I do the NFL, I'm not really sure. So I probably do them different every time I do it. So I would tend to do, like I've got that where I've got the two teams and information there, I would have offense and defense from the so I'd have Patriots offense Seahawks defense on one sheet and on the back I'd have Seahawks offense Patriots defense and then maybe a separate sheet for the special teams because I'm working one unit against another so if I am making comparisons I'd do it that way so but I, when, I, when I did it with Rocky he then turned up he said I've got a mate that'll do all the notes for us so I said great and he turned up with his A3 board and it was just loads of blocks. And each block was a player. And it was like the depth chart. And it was what they've done all year. And that's what they all use. There's, there's a guy over there that makes them. And then you laminate it. And you've got this big board. And, and it's, it's unlike anything I, I've ever done. And then if you see all the, the proper guys over there, they've all got them. And it, it's, it's basically, you know, when you, when you see an offense drawn out. So there's the line and then the receivers and the running back and the quarterback. These boxes are all in that shape. So you see where they are. So the, the left tackle will be in, in the left tackle position with all his information. The backup left tackle will be below him and, and on it goes. So it's really easy to decipher. And then there'll be some individual team statistics scattered around the board. There's some great YouTube videos of uh, the American commentators being handed information by runners or assistants. Yeah. You know, whilst they're commentating, you'll see a runner come in and he'll slide him a piece of information. It's about a rookie and his particular background and this, that, and the other. And it's amazing how it works. It really is. It's fascinating. That's, that's, where, we're, that's where we're different. So if you, was, if you were with Joe Buck, he would have what they call a spotter. So when the path is thrown, the spotter would identify straight away 
who the receiver is. So sometimes they might fall on the floor and you can't see the number. The spotter straight away would say what the, who the receiver is and how far the pass has gone. That information would be given to him straight away. Of course, wow. when we do the radio, we sometimes don't even have a monitor. We're just mm. looking at the field. And obviously, Simon's off fetching hot dogs for me and Rocky, so he can't help with the spotting because he's doing the important job. He's keeping us going during the game. So they, they do get quite a lot of assistance. Let's move swiftly on because uh, I think Simon Cross, our, our exec producer, has got a function to go to. Uh, so we'll move on. He's, uh, he's improving his functionality because he said he's got an appointment that he can't miss, which has got me and yeah. you know, like two kids at school speculating on what it might be. <laughs> Childish. Yeah. If he's not on the next couple of podcasts, we'll we'll, we'll know that something's up. Uh, anyway, Simon, wish you all the best for whatever operation or whatever test you're having. Yes, uh, yes, let's so, uh, We talked about the Super Bowl. We talked about the Premier League's up and running, and uh, we should talk about the new stadiums in the NFL because I've no doubt that you and I, hopefully, fingers crossed, in the not too distant future, if COVID protocols relax, we will be visiting the uh, stadium of the LA Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Darren, on TV, they look absolutely beautiful. Unbelievable, aren't they? Absolutely unbelievable. Um, the funny thing about it is, and if you get a chance to, to do this, um, have a look, because from the outside, it just looks like a single-story building, because they basically with, with built one, one. The, 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 the Rams and the Chargers stadium. So... Yeah. Look at it from the outside, and it's, it's like one store, and it's got a nice roof. And it, it almost looks like a leisure centre, flash leisure centre. you know what I mean? A few palm trees here and there. But you can't comprehend how far down it goes, and they basically dug down. I saw it under construction when I went to L.A. last year. And you, from the street level, you think, well, that's not going to be very big. And, and it's becoming more and more popular, this, when they build NFL stadiums. Because if you think about it, Levi Stadium, where the Super Bowl was in San Francisco, Super Bowl 50, Santa Clara, that's built in. So you look at that, and it looks a little bit like student accommodation. We've said this before from the outside. Mm. And, and it goes down, and you don't really appreciate what it's, what it, how big it is. And uh, when it, if you get a chance to see it from the outside, you, you, can, you can Google it and see it. It, it looks like it's a bit, really small. And then it's absolutely ginormous when you get in there. It's unbelievable. And I like the fact that, I mean, you and I, we were in Atlanta, and Atlanta Stadium, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, has got that big 360 monitor all the way around so you can see all the action and both of these new stadiums have implicated that or implemented that as well in above their fields and let's be honest it was Jerry Jones uh, that, and the Cowboys that kicked off this huge big fad of jumbotrons I mean theirs is mega well it's, it's as long as the, it's, it's as long as the field pretty much so when when we went to the Super Bowl the black eyed peas were actually stood on top of it we, nobody knew they were there. So when the half-time show started, they came off the Jumbotron, which is literally the length of the field. And when they had the NBA All-Star game there, the, the, if you can imagine how big a basketball court is, the, the Jumbotron was longer than the basketball court. So the court was this tiny thing underneath this ginormous Jumbotron. It was, it was astonishing. It really was. All the facilities within these stadiums are second to none, everything's going to be in there. Because when I went to MetLife Stadium for the Super Bowl, Seahawks and the Broncos, the facilities in MetLife are far, miles better than anyone else's that I visited. Like, that's an amazing stadium. It's like a shopping mall in style. Yeah. No, you're right. 
You're right. Love it. Absolutely love it. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. What I want to throw at you. I'm fascinated by what you think. I, I want, we've got some teams in the NFL who are 2-0. We've got some teams in the NFL who are 0-2. I look today, I'm not going to put this in my numbers because it doesn't work this year, but it was 88% that you weren't going to make the playoffs if you started 0-2. And it was kind of 20 and a bit that you would from 0-2. But it was, it was, it was that kind of comparison. If you started 2-0, you were pretty much 70-80% that you were going to make it. So we've got teams in both conferences who are 2-0. So I wonder who you thought the worst 2-0 team is and who you think the best 0-2 team is. Because we can all kind of work out who we think the best 2-0 team is. But who's the worst? The 2-0 teams, teams, Vern, are the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Bears, the Packers, and the Rams in the NFC. Bears. You think? Yeah, 100%. We talked about it, but I just think Mitchell Trubisky is a man under pressure. He really is. You just get a sense that he's really got to pull it out of the bag. And he knows the pressure's on. And he's put in some performances. They've not been the best, but they are grinding out results. Simple as that. So the other, the other two and O teams in the AFC, and I, I think when I read these out, you'd probably stick with who you've just said. The Raiders, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Titans. So you'd still, you'd still go Bears, wouldn't you? The, the worst. Maybe the Bears. So who's the best yeah, 0-2 team then? So the 0-2 teams are the Falcons, the Panthers, the Lions, the Vikings, the Giants, the Eagles, the Bengals, the Broncos, the Texans, the Dolphins, and the Jets. I'm going to pick two. I'm going to pick Texans. I'm going to pick the Texans because I think they've got what everyone wants and they've got a superb world-class quarterback. Deshaun Watson, in my eyes, is, I think he's third on my list after Mahomes and Jackson. He's class. And then I'm going to go for, I'm going to go with my, one of my playoff picks. I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. Right, I okay. think, and I apologize because everyone will be going, yeah, but the Lions are garbage. I just think the Lions need a little bit of momentum to get the ball rolling to get those victories in the W column because I think their head coach knows exactly what he wants to achieve. You wait till you get to my numbers later. We will revisit right. your comment in a little oh, while. I'd say the Eagles are the, are the best 0-2 team. And the reason I say it, we might just touch on this in a minute, injuries are their problem. So they've got no offensive line. So I think if, if they can block for Carson Wentz, 
they've got half a chance to win games because not only would they be blocking for Carson Wentz, they'd be opening up holes for Miles Sanders as well. So I think the fact that they've, they've been so banged up on the offensive line, I think has painted a bit of an incorrect picture about where they probably are. So I still think that the legitimate contenders in their own division to win that and get into the playoffs, I think if they can get, sort the offensive line issues out, then they should start to roll. The other one, because I thought they'd be really good on Minnesota, but mm. I've seen them against the Colts last week. I, I don't know what's the matter with them. I mean, they can't stop anybody. Kirk Cousins is all over the place. Apart from Dalvin Cook, you know, they look a real mess. So I'm not they look average, don't they? They just look yeah. average. For all that talent, I, I thought they'd be better. So I, I, I'm kind of shying away from them. Do you, do, do you think there's a, a problem with Kirk Cousins? Because he's never, he's never been, dare I say it, an elite quarterback prospect, in my opinion. Yeah. I know there's a few people in the UK that absolutely love him and adore him, but I just think he's unproven. I wonder if, they, if, if they're missing Stefan Diggs more than they thought they would, that now all of a sudden you can double cover Adam Thielen and he's maybe not an out-and-out out number one. There's not that threat on the other side that you've got to be honest. Yep. So they're not, they're not particularly blessed with a game-breaking tight end. They've got functional tight ends. They're okay, but there's not a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey to tip the balance. And they are, all, to all intents and purposes now, Dalvin Cook's team, aren't they? So they've got to make sure they keep him healthy. But no, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit surprised. But when I saw them against the Colts, I thought, blimey, what a mess they're in. Yeah, but look at, look at the flip side of the coin. How well-received Stefan Diggs has been in Buffalo. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Totally with you on that. Totally with you on that. Shall I give you the numbers this week? Yes, this is what I've been waiting for, Darren. No, I'm not, I'm not just numbers. I've got something at the end that's slightly different that I know you'll absolutely adore. But I'm going to start on a slightly sombre note because obviously we are Bears fans and one of our great Bears sadly passed away today, the Kansas comic Gail Sayers, who was only in the league. I mean, he, he did actually go through the NFL like a comic. He was only in there for three or four years. If you get the chance to watch Brian's song, the famous film with Billy D. Williams, I would suggest that you do that because it's a fantastic story and a fantastic movie. He was only in the, the, the NFL for a short time because he suffered a bad knee injury. But I'm going to start with, with two or three little stories about Gale's story, numbers about Gale sales. But for people who don't know who he is, go and have a look on YouTube and, and have a bit of a Google around because he was, he was Barry Sanders before Barry Sanders. That's the best way that I can describe it. When you see the running backs these days that, run like Usain Bolt and they can catch anything and he, he would basically take over a game on his own he'd return kicks he'd score touchdowns on the ground he was literally unplayable for a period of time and he might well have gone down as the greatest running back of all time had he had 10 years in the NFL if he'd have had the kind of career that Jim Brown had or Walter Payton had or Emmett Smith we, he might well have set records that nobody could get anywhere near and he was he was grace uh, he was style he was, he was everything you wanted to see from an NFL superstar, and, and he sadly passed away today. He's the only member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Vern, who was inducted before the age of 35. On December the 12th, 1965, he scored six touchdowns in one game, all against the San Francisco 49ers, and they averaged out at 41 yards per touchdown, which is... Mad. I think three of them went for 75 yards plus in the same game. Wow. Yeah. That just goes to show you what kind of athlete yeah. he was. And that season, Vern, he scored 22 touchdowns in 14 games. 
he was. He was. He was. Fantasy football then. Oh, number one pick. He he would be Christian McCaffrey times twenty times twenty. So he's an all-time great. Sadly passed away today. A great player, a great Chicago Bear, and just some numbers there just to whet the appetite of the great the great Gale Sayers. Right, here's the rest of them. There's not there's no outstanding ones this week, but I quite like them this week. Last week I was buzzing with a couple of them, but I like them. So we talk about you got a cold. Say again. Have you got a cold? Don't say that. They'll shut me down for 14 days. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've, I've just literally come off the treadmill, so I've just been running. So well, the now thing I'm, is, it's I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm getting cold sat here. I'm sweating. It's because the kids are back at school. Like, our two have got the sniffles. It's not COVID. We're fine. You know, Never had a cold in my life. Never had a cold in my life. No, 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 what are you talking about? Cold? I'm like, I've got a cold. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> So, talking about about players who never get colds, this is a good way to start. So, Philip Rivers has now started at quarterback 226 straight games in the NFL, which puts him second all-time only to Brett Favre, who had 297. Bloody hell. 226 straight starts for Philip Rivers in the NFL, which, when you talk about an Iron Man, there we go. Um... The Carolina Panthers have quietly and ineffectively lost 10 straight games. If you ask that question to anyone, they would never say the Carolina Panthers. No, and, and quietly, but in, more ineffectively, your Detroit Lions have now lost 11 in a row. Isn't that crazy? 11, 10 and 11 in a row. Well, there's something about the Lions that keep me positive about that team. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. They've got decent players. Yeah. The next few numbers. So Patrick Mahomes is now 9-0 in September as an NFL quarterback, and he's never thrown an interception in the month of September. But this is the one I like. It was his birthday last Wednesday. He's yep. 25. <laughs> and that makes him exactly 75 years younger than the NFL. <laughs> the, NFL the NFL was 100 last Wednesday on the day Pat Mahomes was 25. So he's exactly 75 years younger than the National Football League, which I really liked. And then this is, this is not a number to finish us off this week on this particular section. I think we have crowned the, the, the best named special teams duo in NFL history. Right. I know that I will not be beaten on this. The kicker and the punter of the Indianapolis Colts are Rodrigo Blankenship and Rigoberto Sanchez. <laughs> and there have never been two men Named better on special teams as a pair in the history of this great league, Rigoberto Sanchez and Rodrigo Blankenship, who is even better because he wears old school 1970s national health glasses underneath his helmet, even better than Eric Dickerson's. And he, he wanders out and he looks the part. And he's called Rodrigo Blankenship and his mate's called Rigoberto Sanchez. And I love it. He looks like he's wearing. Vernon, he looks like he's going to miss every kick. That's what yeah. he looks like. Let's not, let's not be about the bush. No, he looks like he's missing every kick, and he's good. But he looks like he's stolen an American football kit from his college dormitory. and yeah. won- Remember when, remember, I think during the 90s, there was that guy who would always pop up on football lineups before the game. Remember, he got in the Man United squad and yeah. had a picture taken before the Champions League final, I think it was, or semi final. He's on the end of the row, wasn't he, in the full kit? Yeah, yeah. He's that guy. He's like, you know what? If I put a kit on here, I could sneak on the field and get away with it. 
Yeah, Rodrigo Blankenship and Rigoberto Sanchez. When I saw those two together, I thought, what's going on here? Well, apparently at Georgia, I think it was. Blankenship's a legend. Yeah, apparently. He's in, he's in my fancy team. He's only in there because he's called Rodrigo Blankenship. So I, I, I had no idea who he was, but I thought I'd pick him anyway. If, if the Jaguars can build a franchise on a moustache, surely the Colts can build a franchise on a pair of glasses. Got to. You've got to. Of course you have. Of course you have. And this week, of course, we've got the beard against the moustache because it's Ryan Fitzpatrick against Gardner Minshew. And they've started the banter on social media about oh, whether really? the beard's better or a tash. Yeah, so they're at it already. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Fantasy. Yeah. How you were annoyed today because did you win at the weekend? No, I'm 2-0, oh, Darren, like yourself. As am I, as am I. Yeah. As am I, yeah, 2-0. Oh. And I'm playing Crossy this week. In, in, in yeah, the- well, I beat Crossy in week one. You're playing him in week three. He's now one and one. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. One and two to all intents and purposes. That you, you know he's already written off this week. But I was disappointed this week with your waiver claim. You ended up with, what, the Bucks defence and Gardner Minshew. What were you doing? I, originally, I have the number one defence. I have the Baltimore Ravens. But I don't trust them against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes has got too much for the Ravens' defence, even though I think the Ravens have got one of the best secondaries and linebacking crews in the NFL. But I just think that the Chiefs will come up with something that will disrupt that Ravens' offence. It's as simple as that. The first time in my fantasy playing life, I'm playing four leagues. So one with you and one with another group of friends in the Hooters League. And I joined two leagues to get a bit of draft practice. But I thought, I'll play them properly, I'll play them out. For the first time in my fancy playing life, I am two and I'm two and zero in all four leagues. It's, it's crazy. Your team's similar. Your four teams, ish. Yeah. So I, I targeted certain players. So I talked this through with you. So I, I wanted a good running yeah. back. Two of them. What, what's paid dividends? Is I've got Lamar Jackson in pretty much all the leagues. And if I've not got Lamar Jackson, I've got Josh Allen. So I've gone for that multi-talented runner passer, which is which is getting big points. But I targeted that middle group of wide receivers, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, that lot. I left the, the big names. And so far, Ridley in particular has been... Oh, he's a blinder. And, and, and DK Metcalf on our ESPN league, he's ranked three yeah. in wide receivers. So he's on my team. Yeah. 15 points each game so far. Yeah, it's paying off. It's paying off. So we're on form. I mean, we're heading for a big showdown. If you and I can go into our showdown unbeaten, I can't imagine. Why, we, we might not be able to do a podcast in the same room. If <laughs> <laughs> it'll really kick off. Hey, this week, you mentioned it, though. You mentioned it, though. We've got the game this week, haven't we? The Ravens and the Chiefs. Monday yeah. night football. I'm going to stay up. I always watch it the next day. I'm staying up. I yeah. am staying up. This, is, this could be the The only thing that's wrong with the NFL is that these two can't play in the Super Bowl. I know. If, if it was going to be those two, I'd be in Tampa now waiting. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. But, you know, I think the Ravens look at right now, and don't forget that it's such a changeable league, that what they kind of go four-week periods under the NFL season, and somebody looks great for four weeks, and then you can't work out why you thought they were good four weeks later. But I look at them now, and having seen Kansas play the Chargers and Baltimore destroy the Browns and the, the Texans easily in the first two games without really overextending themselves, I think there's a bit of separation. As it, right now, going into this game, it looks to me as though the Ravens are just a bit better than Kansas. Yeah, I think they've got a slight edge. I think their defense, we talked about it, but I do think that their defense, the Ravens' defense, is better than the Chiefs' defense. Yes. But 
in fantasy, because they were only predicted five points, I went in for the Buccaneers, who were predicted 9.8 points, I think it is. But that's by the by. I think we've talked about it many times on the fumble, this change of guard at quarterback. So for the old veterans of American football who listen to our podcast, this is like Dan Marino versus Joe Montana. These are the two new studs of the NFL. Both can run, both can pass, both very intelligent football players. And what's good for them is they've got head coaches that understand what they can and can't do. And I think this week, the Chiefs will go away and assess where they're at because they've not been clinical. They've made mistakes. They've not, they've not done what we expect of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think the wide receivers, to be honest with you, need to, a real kick up the backside. They need to start helping Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and you know, when you mentioned that comparison there, you know, the, 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 the Montana Marino, injuries permitting, this should be Manning Brady for the next 10 to 12 years, shouldn't it? Or in a yeah. different way with the yeah. athleticism and, and the new style quarterback. Yeah, they can do everything that Brady and Manning could do, but they've got extra elements to their game because they've got the speed and because they're prepared to run and because they're, they're more diverse as, as, as offensive players. So this could be a really special period. And the NFL were asking the question, weren't they? When those two go, and obviously Brady's still there, but when you lose that rivalry, what's going to replace it? And we've got a rivalry now that looks like it could be as interesting. Same conference, just like Manning and Brady were. So they're going to be playing for Super Bowl berths most years, as those two guys were for a long, long time. They've got good coaches. There are good organizations who draft well, so there's no reason why one of them should fall off a cliff. They should be sustainable as they are. So, I, you know, I think with the modern NFL, um, you know, that we shouldn't be fearful that there's no Colts, Patriots, Brady, Manning anymore because watching these two for the next 10 years is going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun. It's going to be different. Um, I, I can't wait. I tell you what, though, you know when you talk about impressive players in the early weeks of the season, a lot of people get focused on offensive players. They see the numbers that a wide receiver puts up or big runs you get from a running back. A lot of people were talking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire after week one, weren't they? Rookie of the year, you know, blah, blah, blah. The rookie that's impressed me more than anybody so far, and I've watched both their games, Patrick Queen, the linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens, he looks like he could be the heir apparent to Ray Lewis because he's so fast. And every defensive play, he's at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he seems to understand the game plan of, of, of the opposition. He seems to know where to be. He looks as I mean, I know that they really liked him coming out of LSU, and he's he was a high pick for them. But he looks like he's got the lot. He looks like that the real modern day inside backer that he's slightly smaller than a Ray Lewis or a Brian Urlacher, but he's got sprinter speed. He's got strength. He's a solid tackler. He's already got a real grasp of, of what his role is within that Baltimore defense. And he looks to me as though he's going to be a good one for a long, long time. I was really impressed by him at the weekend. All right, well, let's put it on the line then, Darren. Monday night, Ravens versus Chiefs. Who's your money on? Ravens. Ravens. Ravens all the way to Tampa. And I, I'm going to tell you now, right? I'm going to, I like to make sweeping statements at this stage. Before I do, let me just get, get it all up in front of me. I think that if they win this game, they've got a real chance to go through the season unbeaten. 
And I think they could go 16-0 if they get through this week. So they've beaten the Browns 38-6, and they've beaten the Texans 33-16, okay? They've got the Chiefs, which is at home. So that's significant for them. It's at home. Yeah. This is the only game on the schedule that should worry you. After that, they've got Washington. Yeah. Then they play the Bengals. Yeah. Then they've got the 0-2 Eagles. Then they've got the Steelers. And they're better than Pittsburgh, who nearly lost to Denver last week. Then they go the bye. The Colts. The Patriots, which is on the road. But we don't quite know at that stage whether Cam's going to still be there and how that's looking. But we like that rivalry. That's, yep. that's been one of the biggest yep. rivals in the past 10 years. The Titans in week 11, but again, that's at home. Yep. At the Steelers. Dallas Cowboys, home. They'll be in bits by then. At home. Yeah. At the Browns, the Jaguars, the Giants, and they finish at the Bengals. But when the schedule came out, they do this strength of schedule thing, don't they? Yeah. They they were given, as it came out, they have the weakest schedule in the NFL. So they've got the easiest run, so to speak. So this is their hardest game this week. Obviously, of course it is. It's, it's, the, it's the world champions. It's the Super Bowl winners. But after that, the big games they've got tend to be at home. Oh. And Baltimore don't lose at home. So, you know, they, they just don't. So they, they should win. The one that does it is New England. So if they can get on a roll, you think, we'll go in there maybe. But at the moment, if I look at New England and I look at Baltimore, I don't think there's any way that New England can match up with, with what Baltimore have got. I think they, yeah. they could win that crazy. I think we've got a legitimate chance, injuries permitting, that if they win this week, we could see a team go 16-0 and 0 this year. And it could be more raven. We've only got a handful of minutes left because Simon's got his operation. All right. <laughs> so, but let me ask you, what about the Seattle Seahawks? Russell Wilson looks awesome at the moment. He yeah. really does. Yeah. He, he, was, he was unplayable at the weekend, I think. Yeah, I think they fall into that category and there are quite a few. And on one side of the ball, they're elite. And on the other side of the ball, they're not quite there. Now, I watched, I watched them the other night against New England and they won. And Jamal Adams, who they traded two first-round picks and Bradley McDougal to the Jets for, was all over the field. He was Cam Chancellor back in a Seahawks uniform. He, he looked even better because, I mean, you, you don't notice players on the Jets. He looked unbelievable. He was yeah, a special talent. Right. Bobby Wagner, great. But I don't know about the other moving parts on that defence. I'm not necessarily sure they're going to get enough pressure from that defensive line. Cornerbacks probably leave a bit to be desired. I think they've got to win shootouts. But I look at Baltimore and they've got everything. They've got Wink Martindale on defence, which is a really settled unit that's been improved by Patrick Queen. And... Not only are they scoring points, they're stopping people too. And I think that's, that's the difference. That, I think, is what's going to separate these two on Monday night. The fact that the Kansas defence in the first half of last season really struggled. But from the midpoint on and through the playoffs, they made a lot of plays. They didn't always keep the score down. They had to come back. They gave up touchdowns, what have you, in, in certain situations. But their defence improved. And that ultimately is what got them over the line at the end with Mahomes in my, and his, his thing in, in Miami. But I think the most complete team in the league by quite a stretch is Baltimore. That they, you would look at Baltimore and say they've got a championship offence, but you would also say they have a championship defence as well. The one team that I thought matched up with them in terms of personnel on both sides of the ball were the 49ers. But of course, they've lost half the team over the course of last weekend with injury. 
Yeah, I don't care what team you follow. You have to feel for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Losing both elite defensive ends. Jimmy Garoppolo's probably going to return, but it's a serious injury. Mozart, Mozart, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All their running back core depleted. Yeah. It's scary. And we can quickly touch on this, Darren. Running of the game is a real problem. Because if you think about it, when you have a four-game preseason, the people that get injured are your third and fourth string players. The guys who you're looking at, not in a serious way, no disrespect to them, but you know that they're not going to make the cut. And those are the guys that get injured really early in preseason. And that's what's happening now, but it's happening with the stars of the game. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, we've seen some, some really, really big names injured. Saquon Barkley, done for the season, ACL. Michael Thomas, high ankle sprain, New Orleans. Christian McCaffrey, the best running back in the NFL last year, high ankle sprain, four to six weeks. Debo Samuel's not played yet. The 49er players, including Nick Bosa, who you just, just mentioned there, injured. Cortland Sutton, the really impressive wide receiver for Denver, gone for the year. Uh, the, the quarterback there, Drew Locke, he, he was injured last week. They are dropping like flies. And I think that you're going to have a situation here, potentially, where the deeper the roster the more chance you've got because they're just not battle-hardened, are they? They spend no. that pre-season in pads, playing games to get the bodies used to the rigours of 16 games over 17 weeks in the, in, in the, in the season. Yeah. They're clearly not ready. And, and now all of a sudden they've gone from zero impact to full impact with nothing in the middle. I likened it the other day to a boxer going into a world title fight without sparring. And you walk in and the first punch you take is Mike Tyson on the point of the jaw, and you think, well, what a good idea that was. But you, <laughs> you, you, go, you go to camp for 12 weeks, and you, you spar hundreds of rounds with serious people to get your body ready for what it's going to have to put up with for 12 rounds against whoever you're going to fight. So the NFL players haven't had that. They've gone on holiday. They've gone on the practice field. We saw hard knocks. Hardly any scrimmaging in pads. You know, hardly any. And now they're playing games at full speed against mm. big people who mm. are physically strong and they're dropping like flies. And I don't think it's going to stop. What I hope is that we get to week four, week five, week six, and the body now is ready. So at that stage, yeah. we don't get any more. But I just don't yeah. get to that point with enough superstars remaining that it doesn't have a, it doesn't make it an imbalanced season that you need more luck than anything else. That if you keep your players, you can you can win. If you lose your players, because if San Francisco don't get out of their division, which looks to be the best division in football now, with Arizona, the Rams, and the Seahawks, if they don't get out, the main reason they won't get out is because they've got no players. They they can't pick those teams consistently with the players missing that that, that, that they're going to be missing, can they? So no, it's going to be tough. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it, it really is crazy. And obviously, our thoughts are with all the players and hope they get well and heal better. I, I really feel for Saquon Barkley because this, I felt that this was his year this year. I really did. I mean, he is, without doubt, you know, you could argue him or McCaffrey, but I think he is by far one of the most outstanding running backs we've seen in a long, long time in the NFL. I think his size, his ability, his agility is absolutely fantastic. And the fact that they've both gone down, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, is ridiculous. So there is no arguing within the NFL office in New York that we need a preseason, COVID or no COVID. We yeah. definitely need a preseason. Well, they've either got to have 
more, they've, got, they've either got to keep the preseason games or they've got to allow more practice in pads. So yeah. at least they can have scrimmages, live scrimmages, and they can replicate game conditions. Because, you, it, I mean, it, it just makes no sense to expect. that, that That's like you and I going to play now on a Sunday yeah. as we are now. I wouldn't be able to move. <laughs> Even though, Darren, we'd like to think that we could. You'd have a, you'd have a way better chance than me. <laughs> I'd just be there for comedy value. Just to watch me. I think I'd laugh at myself. Exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, any, any final notes, Darren, because we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, it's always a pleasure to sit and chat. Uh, so we've got the big Monday night game. Hopefully it will be injury-free. I mean, because let's be honest, the NFL is riding on the back of Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and a couple of other star players that remain in the league. So let's let's all fingers crossed that everyone's healthy. This has been, as always, a shooting shark production. It is shooting shark. We, 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 we cross him. We wish him well. We whatever, whatever he's going to do, he won't tell us what the appointment is. We just presumed it's medical and it's something embarrassing, but it's probably not. A date with Jason and Olsi, that's what it is. Probably, yeah, probably, yeah. It's probably that. Could be something as simple as that. Yeah. All right, all the best. Uh, Listen up, everyone. Have a safe, have a healthy week. Uh, Be good. And we'll see you next time on the other side of the big Monday night game, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Baltimore Ravens. See you next time, Darren. See you next time, mate. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 